Alright, I'm recording now. You're recording? Well then, I'm gonna say hello and welcome, John, German survivalist. How did we find each other? Uh, I was insistently texting you via YouTube comments to get information out of you. That's the way we met, I think. <laughs> was, was it about audio stuff? Yeah, it was on your video about the, um, I think the first video that I saw of you was the um, why you shouldn't get a shotgun microphone or something like that. Okay. Um, and that's, I think, the first that I saw of you. It's always funny, as I, and I'm sure you experience the same thing, as you make YouTube videos, you never know which ones are going to get a bunch of views and which ones will get, you know, almost no views and... I think I've got like three videos that consistently get like 1500 views a month, but I didn't know that they would be that good when I made them. And I, I look back now and I'm like, man, I wish like my, my best video views wise, the audio is clipping in it. And it's a video about how to choose microphones and the audio is clipping. <laughs> I'm like, man, if, if I had known that two years later, people would still be watching this thing, I probably would have taken a minute to get it right. Yeah, it's the uh, same for me. My most successful video is about like a, a, a messenger bag. It's the 511 Tactical Rush Lima messenger bag. And it's a total bad video. <laughs> like I was doing that on uh, on my backyard po porch and like barely holding the bag in the right frame and stuff like that. And it's my most successful video. Yeah, yep. <laughs> you can't pick. So when did you when did you start making YouTube videos? With, I mean, you've been cranking them out pretty regularly for a while yeah. now. But, but did you sort of did you start by doing it at that pace, or had you sort of dabbled with your channel before? Uh, it's been an up and down. Uh, when I started out, I started out I think in 2014. So it's been about five years now. And I started out putting quite a bit out, like at least once a, uh, once a week and sometimes even more and then less again and stuff like that. It's been back and forth. I took a couple of really big breaks in between just because I didn't have anything to talk about for a while. And, um, yeah, it's currently I'm back to trying to do every five days. But I know myself and it's probably going to drop again at some point. <laughs> That's how life goes. Yeah. So you've got, yeah, 919 subscribers now. You're yeah, almost um, there. According to my analytics, it's actually more. I don't know. YouTube keeps messing around with it. Uh, according to my screen, it's uh, 921. Um, yeah, I think it it's keeps... it's always off just a couple. Because I think yeah. mine mine publicly is like 1,011. And I think... I'm up to 1019 with the number that I can't tell anyone. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know what YouTube is doing with their analytics. I think they try to hide stuff so that you don't get too obsessive about it. Um but the my the stuff that I see in the analytics and that's actually shown on my channel is completely different. Like even the views don't match up. So is it is it the same in Germany with, with I, I I don't know if the, the rules are different for America or Germany as far as at 1,000 subscribers you can start to monetize your channel. Is that the same? Uh, you also need uh, 4, view 000. time. Yeah, 4,000 yeah, watch exactly. hours. Uh, that's actually going to kill me because I don't have that. <laughs> so even if I hit 1,000, I can't monetize right then. Yeah. 
See, and, and that's frustrating because I, I look at the same thing, and luckily I know how to ramble. And so a lot of my videos are like 10 to 15 minutes long. But a lot of your videos, because your videos are so good and they're to the point, like your videos are like five, six, seven minutes a lot of the time. And it, it sucks that YouTube sort of punishes those kind of videos just by, by being shorter and more helpful, which I think a lot of times people are looking for shorter videos. And the fact that they put that hurdle in front of you kind of sucks. I actually specifically try to shorten my videos because I had an issue that my view times were were very bad. I got like on my 20 minute videos, I got two minutes of average view time. So my idea was to cut my videos down shorter to get the percentage higher and it's completely backfired on me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I made a video a few, that's been like two months now, that was about how I make money as a freelance creative. Yeah, I watched and, that. Um, it, it's sort of like I tried to be comprehensive, and I think it's like a 15-minute video about investing in stocks and renting your gear and like diversifying your income and reducing expenses. It's a pretty comprehensive thing. And I, for fun, put some money behind it and like put like promoted it. And the view time on it is a joke. So, like, 98% of people leave after 30 seconds when it becomes clear that the video isn't, like, the one easy trick that's going to make you rich because that trick doesn't uh. exist. And it just – I think of all these people who are clicking on my video and being like, oh, here's how I make money. And then once it looks like any bit of work, they're like, okay, never mind. <laughs> Not going to sit through this. Yeah, I uh, really, uh, as we said uh, in the beginning, you can't really tell what videos are going to click with the audience and which aren't because I had videos where I put a lot of work into it, which you don't see because my quality isn't the greatest. But uh, I do put like two, three hours of work into each of my videos. And sometimes a video that I just, uh, oh, you need to upload today, put it out there, just sit down, record something, and that's suddenly successful, and the videos that I really yeah. tried aren't. Uh, and view times shift just as much. Like sometimes a video where I thought no one's going to watch that, uh, I get average of 30%, and on other videos I get like barely 10% of watch time. Yeah. And, and people look at me and they're like, oh, you've got a 1,000 subscribers now. And it's like, yeah, but... Each of my videos, I average about 25 views. Like most of my videos get 25 to 30 views. Um, oh, that's... And of 1,000 subscribers, that's, that's not a good percentage of my subscribers that are watching my videos. But I'll figure it out. Yeah, I think um, the subscriber stuff just isn't what it's at with YouTube game anymore because the su subscribers aren't the people that are bringing in the views. It's the casual, suddenly happened upon your channel kind of guys that bring the views in. Like, if I look at my analytics, I have to tap where you can see how subscribe, many subscribers. Unsubscribe, yeah. Yeah, and it's always more unsubscribed people. Oh, okay. like. I, I get like maybe a hundred of my subscribers actually watch a video and then the other couple hundred views that I get are all random people that just happened across the video. So so let's take a step back. Who are you? Oh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> um, 
who am I? I'm just a random dude from Germany who decided to do a channel about knives. Uh, originally, the plan was to actually go more into the survivalist prepping area and my early videos where, where I was outdoors and showing people how to make fire and stuff like that. I completely dropped that about two years ago and by now the channel is entirely about knives and knife sharpening and stuff that comes along with that. Um, but... I, I don't have any credentials in my area. Like, I'm just some rando who decided to do this stuff. So, so knives and, and like, outdoors and, and camping and stuff, that's been a hobby, a, a pastime for you growing up. Yeah, um, especially when I was a child. Then in my teenage years, I was a gamer, like everyone was around that time. And then as an adult, I recaptured that and started to go outdoors and experiment with stuff. And yeah, that's been going on. Um, camping, not so much anymore. I had a couple of years while I was uh, doing videos where I was doing that. But now I'm just feeding my knowledge that I gathered upon those years into the, the internet. Yeah, I think I'm I'm lucky in that my my job and when I make a YouTube video, all that makes me a better filmmaker which makes me a better youtuber and so pretty much anything i do makes me better at at what i'm trying to do and but you're in a situation where getting good at not like like when you when i'm testing a camera i'm getting better at learning how to use that camera which translates into content as where for you it's it's separate like filmmaking is one thing and then your expertise in knives and equipment and stuff is a separate thing. And so yeah. it, it, it seems like it, it could be more work to try to do this, but so you're not, you're not a certified, I mean, are there certifications in the knife world? <laughs> uh, you could study metallurgy and that would give you more credentials. You could be a certified knife maker. We do have those. Um, and there's actually certificates for sharpening. Like you can be a certified knife sharpener, a certified scissor sharpener and stuff like that. But nobody does that anymore. It's all died out over the past couple of decades, really. Um, but there's some people with very high credentials like one person that's very well known in the knife world is Murikata he's a knife maker and he's like the knife guru if you want to learn about sharpening and knife making and stuff like that he's the guy that you go to is that a, an aspiration for you to to make knives uh, I dabbled in that and I don't have the tools or the um, skills in terms of making stuff um, that, to do to actually do it I have tried i have tried and it didn't really work out because you need fairly specialized equipment for steel hardening and stuff like that um i might get back into it once i have more money available to buy those tools um because a lot of it is very expensive like a belt grinder here in germany i know in america you can basically just go into a hardware store and buy a belt grinder like a big belt grinding machine yeah. we don't even have those here in germany so i have to get one from america to here and that's very expensive i can imagine <laughs> so so i, I want to take a step back and as as i thought about this podcast and like so you and i've been chatting on and off for i don't know how many months now um it's been a while and it's a lot of what we've talked about is is youtube and growing our channels and and the woes of of creating these videos and things like that and what does well and what doesn't and we've got a ton in common in that regard 
But as we were chatting a little bit, it dawned on me that we come from such different worlds. Like we were talking, uh, the conversation that made me really want to have this conversation in a way that could be shared was when we were talking about guns. And I am very anti-gun and I'm afraid of them and I, I have my reasons. But I just had a different upbringing with that. And you had a, you had obviously your experience. You're from a very small town. Um, yeah. As you said. And so I wanted to take a step back and talk about pre-YouTube, as we became the individuals that we are now, I want to talk about how we're different and then eventually start to talk about how we've become so similar just with completely different backstories. But here we are. How, how old are you? I'm turning 30 in a couple of days. Okay. I'm 34, so I'm a couple years older, but I think... We're at similar stages in our lives. And you're, well, you're a lot more successful in your job. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's debatable. But I, I have my mortgage paid right now, which is <laughs> what matters here. Um, but yeah, so I just want to take a second and sort of talk about where you came from, how we're different, and then advance to how we've become very, very similar, albeit from very different backgrounds and in very different parts of the world. Uh, should I start or? Yeah, yeah. Just to tell me a little bit about. I mean, like we said uh, in the conversation we had, you told me you're from a small town and stuff. But tell me, tell me that again. Give me some more details. What was it like growing up, family wise, hobby wise, school wise? Take me into small town Germany. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So I grew up in a very small town in northern Germany. Um, it's it's small for the area. When I was a kid, it was about 3000 people that lived here. It's a farming town um, where a lot of large farms that grow potatoes and stuff like that are in the area. Um, I grew up in a family home. It's the same home that I still live in. And with my mom, my dad, my sister, my grandpa, my grandma, my grandpa died when I was very young. Um, and as a child, I spent a lot of time outdoors or in the garden, helping my grandma grow her vegetables and stuff like that. That's what I grew up with. Um, I went to school in the same town that I live in. It's a very small school. Every child that was in the class I knew before I even met them in school because the just the people that lived around me, we were all the same age. There weren't so many children. So it's a very small... Com Back then, it was a very small community. It has grown since then. What is it now? If it was 3,000 then, what is it? Uh, as far as I know, at the last count, it was like 8,000. Okay. So still, by all accounts, pretty It's small. not a city. It's, it's not classified as a city. <laughs> what, what is the nearest big city? Um, the nearest big city that people have heard the name of is Hamburg. That's about 50 miles away from where I live. Okay. Um, it's the second largest city in Germany. So you speak perfect English. How did you, is, is that common in your town? Is that common? I, I've been to Europe once. Um, and <laughs> a lot of people speak English because that seems to be something that a lot of Europeans do is speak more than one language. Um, but how did how did you is is English common? How did you come to learn it? 
It's entirely not common, at least in the area where I live. In the bigger cities, it's a lot more common. But uh, here in the town, um, I was the best in my entire school at speaking English. And the reason that I learned to speak English is because, as I said, as a teenager, I was a gamer and I was heavily into computer techniques and stuff like that. And all of the information in terms of gaming and computer tech and stuff like that was in English. So that was my major driving force in learning the language. And I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good by now. Uh, but then you have to consider that I've been studying English for 20 years. I started when I was around nine or 10 years old. I started learning English. Um, and uh, I've just been, I, I lost a lot of active words, but I also gained a couple more. So it's been going up and down. So when when you say you started studying at nine, what is it? I mean, now there's like apps where you can learn a language and it walks you through all the vocabulary and things like that. But 12 years ago that, you know, 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. What it, what was studying English like for you as a nine-year-old? Um, I took, um, text from music that I was listening to and literally translated everything with, um, what's it called? A dictionary? Yeah, exactly. With a dictionary. Like I sat down and translated an Eminem text from English to German <laughs> with a dictionary <laughs> as a nine-year-old. Yeah. As, as a nine-year-old. I, I don't know even as an adult that Eminem is the, the best example of English. <laughs> uh, well, he, he's very, um, very eloquent in his English, especially now that he's older. And uh, back then, it was just the music that was my sister was listening to, and so I was listening to it. And I figured, okay, this is a good way to learn English. <laughs> well, it worked. Yeah. Now you uh, speak it. Probably got a couple more curse words in my. Uh, <laughs> my language that i should have but it probably learned out. those first <laughs> so yeah. is is english as as far as youtube is concerned do you find that a lot of your views come from germany or does a lot of it come from america i actually know the metrics for that through my analytics yeah. and it's 90 percent from america and canada wow so if you didn't speak english you would not be able to reach 90% of your audience, potentially. Yeah, probably would have a larger audience in Germany, but uh, internationally, it's definitely a benefit for me. Have, have you done any videos in German? I did one that was an answer to another video from another German YouTuber and um, didn't get a lot of views because it was such a type of video. Oh, well. That's cool. Do you speak any language other than German and English? Not at the moment. I'm planning to learn Spanish probably next. Okay. I, uh, when I went, to, I went to Burkina Faso in Africa um, okay. two years ago to, to film something, and the national language is French. And so I studied French really, really hard for four weeks. And turns out that's not enough time uh, to learn a language. <laughs> but... When I got there, even though it's the national language, no one speaks it. They all speak very localized dialects. Yeah, probably of, Afrikaans or something like yeah, that. No? Yeah, of, of Wamu was the main language uh, and Togo. And it was interesting because 
I did fine with French because all I learned was how to say, you know, hey, how are you? What time is it? And that's all they spoke of French too. Like they didn't have deep vocabularies. <laughs> all they said was, you know, ça va, ça va bien, which is hi. Are you good? I'm good. And and so I fit in just fine with my French. Yeah, but I think they I, still I can knew speak I was a tourist. Spanish to barely communicate that I need something to drink or something like that, but I haven't gotten much further than that. I visited uh, the Dominican Republic a couple of years ago, and that's where I started getting like the first couple of words of Spanish, but um, haven't progressed since. But I plan to get back into it. Have you traveled a lot? Not a lot, but a little bit. I've been around Europe in a couple of countries. I've been to Spain, Italy, and uh, the UK. And I've been to the Dominican Republic. Mm, that's about it. What was your flight path to get to the Dominican Republic? We um, flew directly from Germany, but uh, we had a, a short stop in Amsterdam and a short stop on Jamaica. Okay, I, did, I took. I didn't know that there would hours. be nonstop flights from Jamaica. Yeah, pretty much nonstop. There's small stop, but yeah. uh, Amsterdam is like thirty minute flight from Hamburg, so that I didn't really count that as yeah. a stop. A lot of times we have to fly to Chicago uh, from. I'm, I'm in St. Louis, and so to fly to Chicago is a, a forty five minute flight, and then you can fly anywhere. But. Yeah. That's the way it goes. In in many ways, St. Louis is a small uh, town. Is it okay if I vape? Oh, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, do your thing. Um, yeah, in in the Midwest, I'm from St. Louis, which is, in terms of big cities, a small, big city. And I grew up outside of the city in, in, in the county that surrounds it um, in in a community that was probably around 5,000 in my immediate community. But okay. there's so much crossover where I, w I didn't go to school in my community. I, I went sort of the next town over. Um, and in St. Louis, the lines are sort of blurred as far as, you know, it, it's all St. Louis, but there's these different neighborhoods and each neighborhood is, yeah. you know, I, I'm going to search this real quick. Population of St. Louis. Uh, so the population of the St. Louis area right now is around 3 million. Okay. That's and, probably more than in my entire state. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that, that to me, like, that's small. Like, that's considered small. Sort of like, I, I grew up and when I travel and I, you know, when I go to New York or Chicago or L.A., it's very much like, oh, you're just from St. Louis, little little city in the middle of the country, but it it's a huge city compared to to, to your town of three thousand. Yeah, definitely. Um, the the population density in the U.S. is very different to Germany. Um, that you have very large spaces where no one lives, and then then you suddenly have a city where three million people live. And in Germany, it's more like there's is tiny small town every two miles where 20 people live um so it's more spread out over the entire area of the country so you went to school in your town yeah how often now as as an adult do you leave your town is it daily weekly 
Are you going to nearby towns to find resources or food? Um, if it's just in my free time, I never leave my town. Um, I might have to leave it to get to work, depending on where I work at the moment. Like um, the job that I'm currently applying for is in the next city, which is a tiny city. Um, and that's the only reason I would leave this area, really. What is, what is the job, can I ask? Um, I'm a nurse. Okay. <laughs> is Is nurse as prestigious in Germany as it is in America? It's starting to be. It used to be a job for like uh, ma stay-at-home moms that wanted to make a couple of bucks on the side. But it's starting because our situation with medical care is getting worse. Nurses start to get a lot more recognition. And by now, like people are thankful that you do the job at this point. That's good. What What are the hours like for a nurse? Um, terrible. Uh, <laughs> it's... Um, the job that I'm currently applying for now is eight hours a day, but there are places where it's a lot worse, um, like 12-hour shifts and stuff like that are normal in the hospitals. I work in the geriatric field, so I have a bit nicer hours, but it's still working weekends, working on uh, on Christmas and stuff like that. Like for the past three years, I had to work every Christmas, every New Year's Eve, Um so you have to deal with that kind of. Yeah, a, a lot of my friends who are nurses here uh, in St. Louis work. It, it, the standard at all the hospitals here is 12 hours on, uh, 12 hours off. And you do four or five days in a row and then you get three or four days off and then you repeat well, it again. The days in a row here, I'm not working full time. But if you work full time in my field, it's 12 days in a row normally. And then you get time off? And then you get two days off, and then you have to work another 12 days. Wowza. <laughs> it's a lot of work. It's less hours, but more days. So as you say that it, the the healthcare in Germany is changing, what is, we're in the middle of some exciting stuff with healthcare in, uh, in America. What is, what is it like in Germany right now? Uh, we have universal state-funded health care, so everyone has health care unless you live on the streets. Even then, you still have health care, more or less. Um, it's very expensive. I'm paying like 280 bucks a month into the health care when I'm working, but it's taken directly off your income. Um, there's some private health care, but usually everyone's just in the state health care. My my healthcare is four hundred and twenty five dollars a month, and oh, the, <laughs> and that, that's a lot. And that is on the cheaper side of options available for me. No, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> but we're learning. We're learning as a country. Yeah, I wonder if anything is going to get better under Trump, or if it's going to take the next president to fix your healthcare system. I cannot imagine that Trump would change healthcare in any positive way. Just because right now it's it's privatized. It's yeah. all the, these corporations, and Trump is very pro corporation. And if there's room okay. for profit, that's where he's going to. And he's going to undo regulations that have you know sustained lower costs and things like that. Um, so no, I don't imagine that he's going to do anything that would benefit people 
uh, as a general rule. What is it from your perspective in small town Germany? What do you think is going on in America right now? Um, I think you're at the verge of having a civil war, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, I, I follow a lot of Americans, like yeah. I watch your channel, but I also watch a lot of channels, news channels, like small YouTubers that you do news about America. And what I'm watching is uh, there's a lot of stuff going on uh, at universities that I find troubling. Um, and there's a lot going on politically that I find troubling. Um, what do you find troubling at universities? Uh, the... Uh, I hope you're not going to heavily disagree with that. Um, no, no I, the, I'm, I'm just curious what, the what news you're very, into. The very left-wing indoctrination, basically, that's going on at schools at, and at universities, um, where you see all the students going out on the street and having their marches, and they are all very strongly left-leaning, um, I think schools shouldn't bring in politics. And like, I see stuff like going the stuff that went on at Berkeley. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with the protests that have been yeah. going on there. They are still going on, and that's basically Antifa students destroying a city. Yeah, I I, I agree with education at, at any level, and so I'm I'm involved with a school that is a. a an elementary school so it's kids from ages three to 14 years old and we're we're a liberal school um and and there's been some disagreements uh over the past few years about some of the the things that they've studied and one of one of the issues that that bothered some people was um, one of the students had a trans individual, um, someone who was transsexual, come into class and just tell their story, essentially. And there were some parents who were really upset by that because they thought that the school was trying to teach their students that being trans is okay. And first of all, t to me, that is. That's fine. I have no problem with I, that. It's totally fine for me, too. I yeah. think trans people are just people. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I don't really. That, that's one of the points where I don't really know why the fuss is so big. It's like with gays and lesbians, like just accept them. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why you're wasting society, time. We being should mad. be at the point. Yeah, and and so what we kept coming back to um, in our conversations was we don't want to teach kids what to think. We want to teach them how to think, and so to present them with both sides of an argument, to present them with as much information as possible. And in the case of a trans individual, we're not telling any kid, like, this is what you should think about this person. We're just saying, meet this person, hear their story, and then you can decide. And that, I think, is what happens at, the, at some of these schools that I, I agree with you. It's bad when you don't hear both sides of the – like, when you protest to a point where you can't hear the other side of the story, when you're not, when you're not taking time to listen – um, and yeah. th the word that keeps coming up in a lot of these cases is tolerance. And they want people to be the, the left side, the liberal side, wants people to be tolerant. But they forget that part of tolerance is tolerating the people who are intolerant. And, yeah, and tolerating disagreements. Yeah. And, and so, I, yeah, I agree with you. It's frustrating when people put up that wall and refuse to have the conversation and just write someone else off as wrong when really it's 
It's just take some time to hear somebody's story. And I think you, you and I agree on a lot. And uh, I, I hope we probably wouldn't agree on all stuff politics, but I think we get along pretty well so far. Yeah. But, but I, I think that the point is that we're both willing to sit and t like, I know that we think differently about guns, but I'm not unwilling to hear what you have to say. And I'm not writing off anything that you have to say. And, and that to me, I think is what is essential for, schools and populations and, and the world in general like we just have to listen to each other a little bit and find a happy middle ground and don't like i do think there are wrong opinions about about stuff like the healthcare situation i don't know why america still hasn't adopted universal health care um but still there's arguments to be had there and you should he at least let people say their statements and don't just shut off any arguments because then you got extremists screwing in the underground um they are going to be a bigger problem than the guy on the soapbox in the park that's yelling about christianity for example yeah like as long as stuff is out in the open and discussed you can actually solve the problems if you're not discussing them they are happening in the underground where you got stuff festering for years and then you suddenly got a big problem yeah so what are what are your thoughts on guns do you think america has guns right no i don't <laughs> um what, what, what is it like in, in germany what is it like where you are it's super strict to the point where it's practically hidden behind a pay and uh, behind a cost and time wall um you everyone theoretically can have firearms they are very restricted like we can't carry firearms and stuff like that um they are really only for sporting or for hunting and you have to take courses and do a certain amount of practice and you have to have a safe that's set up in a very specific way and then you have to get a license then you have to purchase an allowance to even buy a firearm then you have to buy a firearm which are very expensive um because the market is so small that the prices here in germany for firearms have skyrocketed like an ar-15 which is the most common rifle in america that you can pick up for 400 bucks at your walmart uh here in germany is 2800 bucks yeah that's that's a deterrent right there so do you do you agree with the german system do you think it's it's a good system as you explain it right there no, it's too strict. There has to be a middle point where people like me who are very interested in firearms can actually own them legally without having to dish out 6,000 euros to even just purchase them before you even use them. Um, and there's a lot of laws, like if you get a speeding ticket here in Germany, you're out, you can't get a firearm anymore. And that's how strict the rules are here. Oh, wow. You can you can do a lot of stuff to people in America and still get a gun. Uh, yeah, speeding ticket seems a bit extreme, but yeah, like you have to be a one hundred percent law abiding citizen here in Germany to be a, even to even get the license. That's not even purchasing the firearm yet. It's just to get the license. Um, you have to be one hundred percent law abiding, and you never can break any kind of law. Like you could theoretically, if a police officer sees you throw out your trash. Uh, that could become that you've broken the law and then you, you're you not allowed to own firearms anymore. 
Wow. Like if you're in the park and you throw, a, you just ate a hamburger and you throw your wrapper around and the police officer sees this, writes you up for that, that's it. You can't get a firearm anymore. You, you said that firearms are primarily for sport and hunting. Um, I think that as a generalization in America, a lot of people own firearms for protection, where yeah. most people... Um, and obviously there's a bunch of exceptions to this, but a lot of people don't actively hunt or don't actively go target shooting or, or clay pigeons and, and such. It's to protect themselves uh, in their home uh, or in their car or in a McDonald's, um, wherever you need to have it. Would you say that that mentality is, is similar in Germany or is it more for the sporting and hunting part of it? Uh, self-defense in Germany is dead. We uh, The population is trained basically from birth to rely on the police for protection. You're not even like the laws for self-defense themselves are very strict so that if you're actually in a situation where you have to defend yourself, you can could actually be breaking a law and go to jail yourself for protecting your life. Um, the mentality here in Germany is very much like let the let the crook do whatever he wants to you and call the police afterwards. Um, so I don't think the population is really interested in having firearms for self-defense. Do you agree with that mentality? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that it, I know in America there is, in general, quite a bit of distrust between uh, huge chunks of the population and law enforcement. And there's a lot of, of, there's a lot of, of miscommunication and then a lot of suspicion, um, on both sides of that is, is it a similar relationship in Germany between the law enforcement and the population? Um, that's very much shifting. I have a pretty high, I have a lot of respect for our law enforcement, um, but I do know a lot of people, usually people who take drugs or who drive too fast or stuff like that, who don't like the police. Uh, I never had a bad interaction with a police officer. There's not a lot of them around here. Like, I think we have five police officers for our town. Um, but on the handful of occasions where I was engaged with them, I always thought they were, were nice people and they were doing their best to protect the population. Um, so I have a fairly high trust in the police, but the police can't react to sudden emergencies. Like if I need, if there's a thief in my house and I call the police, they take 10 minutes till, till they are here. So mm -hmm. in those 10 minutes, I'm on my own. Yeah. And that's just the reality of it. You can't have a police officer for every civilian. Yeah. And that's, I mean... That's a similar response time uh, in America, in, in St. Louis anyway. Um, but we're afforded, A, we have constitutional carry, yeah. which just means you don't need any. You don't need your permit. <laughs> you don't need anything. You can have a gun would, and you would can carry it would be a dream country for me. That, that would be perfect. <laughs> See, but like, it, not... my, my question is, yes, it, it's, it's fantastic for people who like guns. Um, but would you, for you, who is a, a train and you've grown up with them, you, you yeah. respect a gun for what it is. Does the idea of everyone else having access to guns frighten you at all? 
Like, I, I feel yeah. like there's some distrust in general. Like, that's why you want to protect yourself in these 10 minutes before the police get there. And if on top of that, you knew that anyone who broke into your house absolutely does have a gun, does that like you, you say dream country, but I'm curious, like, because it goes both ways. It's not just, yes, you have unfettered access to firearms, but also everyone else does in this town of three million. Uh, and there's a lot of people who are unhappy and who have done worse than a speeding ticket who are given open access to guns. Yeah, I think that's actually an issue because, uh, first of all, there's a lot of people who aren't trained with firearms. So uh, the um, occasion for self-harm is very bad. Like even trained shooters still shoot themselves accidentally. I shot myself in the foot when I was uh, 16 years old after over 10 years of practice with firearms. Um, but uh, the thing about the self-defense, um, of course, if everyone has a firearm, the the idea of the universal equalizer which is sometimes touted by firearms enthusiasts that the small grandma can defend herself against the thief well if the thief has a firearm too then the equalizer is gone because the thief is gonna have better aim he's gonna be faster because he's younger so the grandma still can't defend herself um the counterpoint to that is that uh, the guy who's breaking into your house here in Germany might still have a baseball bat or he might have a knife or or something like that. So they are still armed. And yeah, of course, now I do have knives. Um, but <laughs> one or two. <laughs> one or two or 20. <laughs> um, but uh, that's not the case for everyone. So uh, here in Germany, the power is very much with the criminal at that point. Now we luckily for uh, i don't want to get into the deeper social stuff that's going on there but our crime rate is very low uh, murder rates are exceedingly low there's not a lot of gun crime uh, i think uh, compared to some of the cities in america like i think chicago alone has more murder than the entirety of the eu yeah i th i'm I, i'm not going to push back on that i think that's true <laughs> So um, we are at the point where self-defense isn't so massively important anymore because the crime rate is just that low. There's still people that are getting robbed. There's still people getting raped, which is horrible. Um, but especially where I live, like if there's a break in, in my county that's that makes the news because this is so small that just a break-in is newsworthy where I live. So the situation where I might actually get into self-defense is uh, the chance is very low. Counter to that is that I actually have been in self-defense situations where I had to protect myself. Um, so was stuff that, does Was that happen. in your home or was that elsewhere? And that was elsewhere. I've been in three self-defense situations, but it's always been in the next city uh, that's 10 kilometers away from here, either in the evening when I went partying somewhere um, or just getting back and forth from work. Uh, I've been in three situations, two where I had to protect myself and one where I came to the rescue of another person. Um but that's not the norm. That's just me having really bad luck because <laughs> there's a lot of people who 
go all their life without ever having to fight for their life. Yeah, I was going to say, in, in St. Louis, our crime is much greater than yours, but I personally have never faced any situation um, like that. But it's the kind of thing where it's beaten into you after a while. I, I was going to ask, do you – around here, I can't think of a neighborhood where you don't want to lock your car. Is is that the same? Um. It, Because I'm a little bit paranoid, we started locking our stuff up. But when I was a child, our doors were open all the time. Yeah. Um, and our neighbors still leave all their windows open and stuff like that. Uh, now we are, again, very small town. We're a very homogenous population. Um, it's basically only Germans here. We have a couple of Russians, a couple of people from Poland, Um so we don't have the weird social stuff that's going on in America. The what's it called, like the hot pot or something in America? The melting pot. The melting pot. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least here in my area, we don't have that problem. In Hamburg, it's a bigger problem. Yeah, it's it's an interesting situation because it, in in the grand scheme of things, in so many ways, America is only you know a couple hundred years old, and. Yeah. Everyone, I mean, our population blew up in the early 1900s, and that's when everyone came here from all different places, and the people that had the money made the rules, uh, and we're just now starting to look at those rules and say, hey, maybe some of these weren't fair, uh, and maybe yeah. they haven't been for a very long time. But I, I'm always fascinated by that small town vibe and like we're from what we call the midwest the, our region of of america st louis missouri uh, is all the midwest and in many ways compared to the coasts it's uh, people have this uh this simplified view of of what life in the midwest is like where it's a a few years behind and it's more of a a ma and pa happy television show Uh, small town America, um, but yeah, you can't you can't leave your car unlocked. In. Like people will just walk and check door handles on every street all the time. If you leave your car open, if you leave your car unlocked, someone will find that it's unlocked and take what they can. Um, yeah. And that sort of thing just keeps you on your toes. And that has happened to me. I've had, I left my car unlocked one time um, a couple of years ago, and they rummaged through all my stuff and ended up taking some medication that I had uh, in my glove compartment. And it was free. It was like a painkiller um, that I was given. But that's the sort where it, it rattled my trust, where to to get back in my car and be like, someone else was in here. That's weird. That's like, it makes you feel uneasy. And, and so like that sort of thing sort of permeates all the time where you sort of need to be on the lookout a little bit. but You probably need to be a little bit more vigilant than the small town folks. Yeah. Um, I imagine, like, in America, I know a couple of people who live in small communities with, like, 40 people. Of course, they don't have to watch out that they lock their car. It's definitely an area thing. Like, in Hamburg, I wouldn't leave my car unlocked. But here, I literally forgot to take out the key out of my motorcycle and stood around on a parking lot in the next city for eight hours and nobody touched that. <laughs> yeah, that's different. That's very... That, that motorcycle would be gone if it were around here. Yeah. 
So with all this, so did you, did you, what did you study? Did you go to university? No, I didn't go to university, but I do have a college degree in health and nutritional science. Okay. Um, so you, you studied to prepare to be a nurse. Yeah. Okay. And so you've got nursing on one hand and knives on the other. Yeah, it's a weird combination. <laughs> what else what else do you do? What else rounds you out? What else do you do for fun? Um I still play video games quite a lot and um What's your game of choice? To, currently I started playing the new Call of Duty okay. after taking a break from that brand for a while and that's what I'm playing most. I played that for years. I would play for 4 or 5 hours every night with my friends from around the country. And uh, we'd all get on the headsets and talk and have a good time. And then when I met Jesse, I stopped playing completely and sold my Xbox. And um, then they released Call of Duty Mobile on the iPhone, which I tried expecting to hate it. And I found myself like I checked my stats after a couple weeks. And I'm like, wow, I've played for 20 hours. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it is a playable game. Uh, I never played a lot of mobile stuff. Like I've been a PC kid since I was ten, and that's where I've been. I never even played on console before. Like at otherwise, wow. I played a couple of like beat 'em up stuff, like Dragon Ball Z fighter games mm-hmm. uh, on PlayStation. But otherwise, it's always been computer. What kind of computer do you have? Uh, I built it myself, so it's a Core i7, 7700K, 16 gigs of RAM, couple of SSDs in there, GTX 1060 graphics card. Um, yeah, I've been building my own PCs since I was, I think, the first one I built when I was 11. Wow. I'm an, I'm an Apple user, and so yeah. <laughs> we don't get to build anything. They just no. give us a shiny package. So what do you use to edit video? Premiere? Uh, yeah, I'm on Premiere. Uh, I've been checking into alternatives. Filmora just released a professional version. Um, but I checked that out and it doesn't have the features which I, uh, that I need, like the um, audio features that I need to fix my audio in post. Mm-hmm. Um, have you looked so- at DaVinci? No, I haven't. Look at DaVinci. Uh, DaVinci okay. Resolve uh, has a free version, which is... I don't know what they took out of their paid version because it has everything. Like I know so many people who use it. It's being used in Hollywood uh, for a lot of blockbuster movies now um, where it's really starting to, to encroach on Premiere, um, and it's okay. free. I, I don't I'll get it. I'll have to check that out. But, yeah, a lot of people... It's been the the standard for color correction for a long time like even movies that are edited in premiere get color corrected in davinci but now they've over the past five or six years really built out this editing program um which is free so no that might be interesting because um we talked about that before but it's really annoying that i have to pay a monthly fee to use premiere especially because it's not exactly cheap it's i think 29 euros per month yeah um so that's over 300 bucks a year to use the program that I really only use to do a couple of tweaks on my audio, do my cuts and put a LUT on there and that's it. Um, the reason I 
even got into Premiere was because that's what Peter McKinnon used. Yeah, so so tell me about some of your your YouTube influences because I too uh, I've sort of I, I've stopped watching a lot of Peter McKinnon lately um, over the past couple months, but definitely when he was starting out was a huge inspiration for me. Um, who el- who else do you watch? Who who, who are your go to videos that you look at? Uh, if it's actual YouTube tech stuff, I watch um, Caleb Pike, which is DSLR video mm-hmm. shooter. Um, I watch your channel, of course. I do occasionally watch P- Peter McKinnon stuff if he puts something out that interests me. Um, those are really the ones that I watch. Um, no, Curtis Judd. Curtis Judd oh, yeah. is... with audio. Yeah. He does a lot of good like, stuff. He's, he's probably the biggest guy when it comes to audio. Do you watch um, do you watch Casey Neistat? No, I hate it. <laughs> really? Yeah. So I, I think in a lot of ways Casey has changed as well. Um on the, I watch Jenna Marbles, does that count? Yeah. That's in there. <laughs> Casey's just an example, and on the last episode of this podcast I was talking to my buddy Brett, who's a, a filmmaker in Nashville, and we were talking about Casey and his ability to turn anything into a story. Um, like he can, Brett was saying he can take tying his shoes and turn it into a story. And it, it's true. Like he, he can take any little mundane part of his day and it's watchable. And it may, it may be, you may not be interested in it, but as a, as a student of film, it's fascinating to look at these things and say, wow, like how, as I approach a project for a client and try to think, you know, there's no story here. Like, how am I supposed to do a video about this? It's always sort of inspiring to go back to Casey and be like, you know, he measured a room from one side to the other and <laughs> and turned it into a 10-minute video that I was laughing aloud watching. Like, he, he proves the point that you can usually find a story if you look hard enough. Yeah, I think that's that's a very impressive skill. I, I never really watched anything of his stuff. I know who he is, but I never really watched his videos. But the ability to tell a story especially like in your field and of course if you're doing vlogging that's very important um that's invaluable really um wouldn't really come into my field because of the fact that i do product reviews which is the most boring style of video um (laughs) but if you can translate a skill like that into advertisements i can imagine they would do very well I haven't. Re- I've seen your um, what's it called the marshmallow lesson video. Oh yeah, I, I watched that and I thought it was very well made and a very good story. Um, I haven't really seen your the stuff that you do with your clients, uh, so I can't tell if you're translating your skills there into the work for your clients. Um, yeah, I, I but- don't. I don't get to share a lot of, of my client videos, and I think one of the videos I put up last week was me watching one of my client videos and yeah, sort of the, giving the my thoughts on yeah. stuff. Um, and that was, that was the first time that I thought like looking at my channel, I don't share a lot of my client work. And so I, I wanted to, to put it out there. And I, the reason I made that video was I wanted to share that brewery video cause I thought it was fun. But at the same time, like all of my projects and I'm sure like all of your videos, I finish it and I look at it and I'm like, well, this is awful. This is, I could do so many things better. I want to redo the whole thing. And so my compromise was I'll put it out there alongside all of my disclaimers 
for what I think could be better because I have that fear that somebody's going to watch that and be like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. I'm like, I do know. I just didn't have time. <laughs> Sorry. I, I, watched, I watched your video about watching it, and the first shot, I think, you said it's tilted. And a split second before you said that, I noticed it's tilted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no! Yeah, that is... Yeah, but, but the thing is, um, as you said in that video, people aren't watching that type of video with that detailed of an eye to notice that it's one millimeter off like yeah. we see it because we are watching it on a big screen in high resolution but if it's just a screen hanging around somewhere displaying that video nobody nobody's going to notice that well and I... like um, a lot of people nowadays watch videos on their smartphone like how important is the quality at this point really like it's yeah. a six inch screen that's not even really doing hd resolution and has shitty microphones and shitty speakers so uh, me investing recently investing 500 euros into better audio equipment was probably not the smartest idea because 75 percent of my viewers are watching on their smartphone and they won't even hear the difference yeah that's what i i I have some really, really good microphones, and I've got a really good audio recorder, and that's what I use for my projects most of the time. But if I know I'm doing a video that's just going to be posted online, a lot of times I'll just run a, a mic directly into the camera, which isn't as good a quality, but no one's ever going to notice, especially, as you're saying, when they're just watching this on their phone or their tablet. Like, no. they're, they're never going to notice the difference. Uh, and if they did and said anything, I don't want to be friends with them. <laughs> Those aren't the kind of people I want to be around. Um, my last question for you is we've, we've sort of talked about where you've come from and who you are a little bit. Yeah, you've got the, the nursing job on the horizon, hopefully. What else? Uh, what, what's your aspiration? Where do you want to get to? You've got a YouTube channel that's almost able to make money, potentially. Uh, you've got a potential job in the hopper. Uh, fast forward five years, ten years. Where do you see your channel? Where do you see your day-to-day? -day? Um, realistically, it's going to be a very similar situation to what it's now. So I'm still going to work my nursing job. And I'm still going to put out a video once a week. Um, the dream would be to be a professional YouTuber and make money doing product reviews. Because that's where my passion is at. Uh, I've been doing this for five years more or less consistently and i think it's going to stay around um would like to at least turn my hours down at my main job because i make enough on youtube um but especially in the niche where i am with my channel the largest channels in that niche are still not making enough money to really live off that um so I don't know if I'll be able to get become a full-time YouTuber, at least not in this area where I'm at. Um, but if it's if I made 400 bucks so I could turn down my hours at my main job, that would be nice. Or buy more gear. Or, or that's the more likely outcome, really. Yeah. <laughs> I, I find myself in this situation. I'm waiting today for a package i'm very excited about i have a, a quasar uh, q50 rainbow led light coming it's a four foot light that can be any color and it like every other gear purchase that i make i tell myself like well once i have this then i'm good 
once I once I I just need this last piece. It never stops. And, and then and then I get that last piece, and then it's like, oh, but now there's this, and if I only had that, then then I'm good. Then I don't need anything else. And I've been playing that game for 12 years now. I got a real life example of that hanging around here. My road NT1A, which on the day this was delivered, I started looking for a sure SM7B. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I look at the road makes um, the roadcaster, which is a podcast yeah. recording, like mixing board, and it's $700. And for that, I, I keep having to tell myself, like, there's no way that my podcasting will ever earn $700. And until it does, I cannot justify making this purchase. Everything, yeah. I have a bunch of other gear that works perfectly. I don't also need that right now. It's the same with knives, really. I got knives lying around that I simply do not use that are collecting dust or that are sitting in a drawer, but I have them and I'm still looking for better ones for some reason. Yep. <laughs> Even though I don't use them. Like my, my survival knife, um, which is a 200 euros knife, 230 euros knife, that's sitting in my drawer doing nothing and I'm still researching better survival knives. Yeah, yeah. I, uh... <laughs> this is... This is my Leatherman Rev, uh, which I don't think they make anymore. Um, I think it got replaced with... Um, oh, shoot. I was just looking at what it got replaced with. But they, they added scissors to it. Um, okay. But it's a very minimal knife, which I like. But I keep looking for a different one. But the truth is, right now, I just pulled it out of my bag and the screwdriver is sticking out of it. This is all I ever use on it. I can't yeah. tell you the last time I used the knife or the pliers or anything. I use it to tighten my uh, tripod plates, and that is it. And yet, I'm like, man, I could, I could have a better one. Yeah, but I, I don't need it. I have my Leatherman here. Of course, I have one too. It's the Leatherman Search, which is, I think, they are top model. Mm -hmm. And all I use on this is the pliers. Yep. All the other stuff, like I carry a dedicated knife, so I don't need their knife blades and stuff like that. Um, But yeah, I thought I really needed that one hundred and twenty dollar tool. Yeah, even though I could just buy a pair of pliers for ten bucks. Not as fun. Not as cool. <laughs> well, John, thank you very much for taking the time um, to yeah. chat. I, I'm looking forward to. I, I think we should do this again in a, in a few months when your channel has crested a thousand, and when I figure out. Even though I crested a thousand and I have the watch hours, I started this month-long process to get a like they have to review my channel to approve it before I can earn anything off of it. And so, once I start, do you actually, have any non-child-friendly stuff on your channel? Uh, nothing is nothing is mean or anything like okay. that. I mean, a lot of stuff is it's not adult stuff, but the way they ask the question is: Is this content for children? Yeah, so I, like, I'm really conf that's actually a small point that I want to make right now. I um, looked at my analytics, and I don't have an audience under the age of 18. My audience is 18 to 25 and 25 to 35 or something like mm -hmm. that. And I'm wondering if YouTube is already throttling my access to a younger audience. Even though I'm not even monetized, because I don't have anyone under the age of 18 watching my videos. So I'm thinking there's probably like a shadow restriction on my channel already. Hmm. That, yeah, that could be. Which is interesting, because I think you're one of those channels that 
you're teaching safety and maintenance and how to care and respect these tools. It's not, hey, kids, here's a cool knife you should bring to school. Uh, Watch me step this yeah. mannequin. <laughs> look, look how good this one goes into a watermelon. Shaka. <laughs> no, but yeah, yeah I, I, my, my channel is mostly friendly, um, but nothing is really made for children, save for the marshmallow lesson. Um, but my next project that I'm working on, um, which hopefully we'll film in the next couple of weeks, is we're starting a children's show on YouTube. Uh, yeah. We're going to do... Uh, the six episodes um, of a children's show. And I'm excited to learn a bunch of things that I have no idea about right now and what hoops they throw in front of us to jump through, because I'm sure it will not be easy. At the filming process, probably. Yeah. Yikes. Well, man, thanks for chatting. Um, yeah, no problem. I'm looking forward to, uh, to what you do next and I'm looking forward to continue to, to talk and be creators together yeah definitely i have to record a video tomorrow usually i try to record in advance but it didn't work out for the past couple of weeks yeah. so i'm recording editing and posting on the same day <laughs> well good luck with it uh i hope it goes well and uh to the the five or six listeners of this podcast thanks for listening where can they find you um German Survivalist. If you Google German Survivalist, my Instagram and my YouTube should come up. Awesome. And I'll put links in the description uh, for people to check out your stuff. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, man. Have a have a wonderful afternoon. And, uh, yeah, you, or I guess evening. It's Yeah, I have to cook dinner soon. There you go. Well, thanks. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>